We're not just in the last days, we're in the final hours of the last days. We're in the last, there's no other thing in scripture that has to be done before Jesus comes back. Guys, that fire is going to be stirred up tonight. <laughs> I'm telling you. Are you ready? Yes. Who wants more of God tonight? Yes. Now, adults, you guys, can, you guys can watch if you want to, or you can dive in. Yes. Hallelujah. I'm excited. I believe God's going to do something awesome tonight. If you have a Bible... I just want to lay a quick foundation of what I mean when I say Jesus is coming back, because he's coming back. I don't know if you ever heard that before, but Jesus is coming back. I'm going to read you some stuff from the Bible today that you're going to be like, what? And I'm going to be like, yes, it says that. Does anyone have a Bible? Did anyone bring like an actual Bible? I didn't, so I'm using blades. I actually... I gave mine away, so I need, a, I need to get one. All right, turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 1, if you have a Bible. If you don't, it's all good. Just listen. I promise you, you if, if you think uh, you don't even know what's going on right now, don't worry. Soon enough, you're going to know, because God's going to do something in your life. It's going to be amazing, because that's what he does. We, all, we get a bunch of people to go to Fire Week because they think they're going to go hang out with their friends. And they think it's going to be some awesome time in the presence of God. And then they get whacked. And then we have to carry them off the field. And I have to hurt my back. <laughs> Not really because I'm pretty swole. But I have to carry these people off the field. And I have to put them in, in the van. And they're big, dude. Like, I'm carrying dudes. Some of you guys are big. You stop eating so much. Because if you're going to get touched by the power of God and I'm going to have to carry you to the vehicle, you're going to need to lose some weight. It's a joke. All right. Acts chapter 1 in verse 6, it says this. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? The he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power, say power, power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and in Port St. Lucie, Martin County, and Fort Pierce. Yeah. Hallelujah. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him, as they strained to see him rising into heaven. So picture this. There's the disciples. There's Jesus, the Son of God, who they've seen do miracles. They've seen him cast out demons. They've seen the power of the Holy Ghost come upon him, and he says that he's going, and then the, he, he goes, and now they're watching him, and they're like, you ever watched a balloon go into the sky? They're watching Jesus, and they're straining. Why did you watch the balloon so long? <laughs> kind of weird if you think about it. But they're straining, and they're watching him go until they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. 
Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So what the disciples are experiencing right now is Jesus died on a cross. How many people know that Jesus died for you? If it wasn't for Jesus shedding his blood on the cross, every single drop of his blood, the Bible says when they stabbed him in the side, water leaked out of his side because there was no more blood left in him. Jesus held back not one drop. Well, you say, why did they kill him? They killed him because we have sin in our life. We're under a curse of sin and death. I'll prove it to you. Look at the people around you at school. Look at the people who are influencing you. What is the most, what, what are they influencing you to do the most? Negative behaviors or positive behaviors? There's a reason for that. And we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but there's an enemy who hates you. There's an enemy that wants to spend eternity, his, his period of life while we're on the earth, actually, convincing you that there's no God. That's his plan. Because he knows that if you get a hold of Jesus Christ, he knows that if you get a hold of him, you are unstoppable. I said you are unstoppable. If you get a hold of Jesus Christ. And so here Jesus is. He dies on a cross for us. He tells his disciples that the temple will be rebuilt in three days, which meant that he's coming back on the third day. We all know that. Everybody celebrates Easter. You could be an atheist and you go to church on Easter. Everybody does. It's Easter. So Jesus raises from the dead on the third day, and, and then the disciples are like, well, where's Jesus? I mean, he said he's going to be alive. Don't worry. And so now Jesus comes, and he proves that he's alive with infallible proofs, the Bible calls it, where he would walk through walls, and he would meet with them, and he's like, guys, I'm alive. I didn't stay dead. Go look in the tomb. It's empty. And he would come to them. There's, there's this guy named Thomas, and they call him Doubting Thomas. Why do they always label the people with what they're going through? Yeah. I have news for you, young people. If you're going through something today, it is not who you are. Amen. If you are struggling with depression, you are not depressed. Amen. You are struggling with the demonic thing that's going to get broken off you tonight. Amen. You are not your circumstance. So we're not going to call him Doubting Thomas. We're going to call him Thomas who found the truth. And so Thomas who found the truth, Jesus went up to him and he's like, buddy, look at my hands. I still have the holes. I kept the scar. Do you know Jesus kept the scars in his hands and his feet as proof that he died for you on a cross on purpose? And I believe, man, I feel it sometimes. One time I heard a preacher say this. There was a lady who got healed. And he said, I see the nail-scarred hand. He told her to put her hand on her stomach. And he said, I see the nail-scarred hand of Jesus Christ pass between your hand and your stomach. And God is healing you right now. And that lady was totally healed. I believe when Jesus puts that proof of what he did for you on a cross and touches you, you'll never be the same. And that's what Jesus did with these disciples. And then, then he left. And they watched him go, and they strained watching him go. 
And, he said, and, and then he said that he's coming back. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen. All right, turn with me to Matthew. We're going to read some Bible today. Is that okay? Yeah. Did you know this is where the power of God is? Yeah. How do I know that? Because, listen, God said that he holds his word higher than his name. We just talked about the name of Jesus, didn't we? Yeah. We talked about how powerful it is. I remember when I first came to the Lord. I'm not even going to go there. I want to scare people. But the name of Jesus will release the enemy's grip off your life if you say that name. Say it right now. Say Jesus. Jesus. If you don't feel like being here tonight, say Jesus. Jesus. (laughs) Got him. I tricked y'all so bad. All right. Man. Matthew, if you want to be here, say Jesus. Jesus. Matthew 24, turn to Matthew 24, verse 1. We're going to read quite a bit right here. This is so powerful. So I'm going to read fast. You guys got fast ears on? Good. All right. Jesus speaking about the future, Matthew 24. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, tell us when all this will happen. What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? I told you Jesus is coming back. Hallelujah. Say he's coming back. What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many, and you will hear of wars, threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against other nation, and the kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. How many know just in this last week there was wars, rumors of wars, and an earthquake? How many know we're in the last days? Yeah. You, I say Jesus is coming soon. He's coming real soon. Yeah. We're not just in the last days. We're in the final hours of the last days. We're in the last, there's no other thing in scripture that has to be done before Jesus comes back. Do you know, for those of you that don't believe the Bible, if there's any of you, I believe I'm with a group full of people who believe the Bible, but there's over 2,000 prophecies in the Bible. A prophecy is when you speak of the future by the unction of the Holy Spirit. And when, when those prophecies have all been fulfilled. There's nothing left standing in the way of Jesus coming back. With that, knowing that, let's keep reading. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Now, watch. As it gets deeper, you're going to see we're already there. Pay attention. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. It's happening all over the place. Uh, A pastor in Tampa just got arrested for having church. In Tampa, America. That's crazy. And other places in America, actually. Then you'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you're my followers. In Afghanistan right now, if you are a Christian, because they were just taken over by the Taliban, you got a note saying, we know where you are and we're coming for you. And they're beheading Christians just for following Jesus Christ. Yeah. 
final moments of the final days. There's not much more grains of sand in the hourglass. Many will return, will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Hallelujah. That's where we're at right now. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about. The sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. Listen to this right now. This could be you. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. And it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. Say, that's me. Then if anyone tells you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. So if someone tells you, look, the Messiah's out in the desert, don't bother to go and look. Or look, he's hiding here. Don't believe it. For, for as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Just as the gathering of vultures shows there's a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be dark and the moon will give no light. The stars will fall from the sky and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens. And there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet. And they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. And I can tell you, there's a, whole, there's a whole history of this. The fig tree represents Israel. Israel's the children of God. So what he was doing is he was saying, this fig tree, this fig tree, those of you that are watching what I'm doing right now, when this fig tree buds again, the generation that sees that happen will not pass from the earth before Jesus comes back. Israel was born, I think, in reborn. Everybody knows the fig tree. Everybody that's like a scholar. Let me, let me say that because you guys are probably like, I didn't know that. Many people know, many theologians and scholars know that the fig tree represents Israel. So what Jesus was saying is when the fig tree buds again, when Israel's born again as a nation, that generation that sees that take place will not pass from the earth before Jesus comes back. So we cannot know the day or the hour. Nobody knows the day or the hour. Jesus doesn't even know. God the Father knows. But you can know the season. 
And I think it's like 1958. 1948. 1948. That Israel was born. The max amount of time somebody can live is 120 years. You do the math. The Bible says that when that fig tree buds again, the generation that saw that take place will not pass from the earth before Jesus comes back. We're very close. I believe most of us that are in this room will not die. I believe we will get caught up, and I'm about to show you what that means. We have to be ready. Young people, look at me. You have to be ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. He's coming back for his people. And we could be distracted by everything that's going on in in the world. We could be distracted by sin because it's enticing. What if it's too late? Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 15. Are you tracking with me? You guys still alive? It says this. We tell you this directly, directly from the Lord. We who are still living... When the Lord returns, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. This could be us. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Say, Jesus is coming back. This is called the rapture of the church. The catching away of the church. The word catch away in the Latin means is rapturo, rapturo. So the person that said that the word rapture isn't in the Bible, that's because the Bible's written in English. Say caught up. up. Say Jesus is coming soon. And if I'm not ready, I don't get caught up. I get left behind. That's no good. 1 Thessalonians 5. Why am I telling you this? Because God loves you. Because God wants you to be with him. God doesn't just want you to go to heaven. He wants heaven to come to earth to be what your life is every single day. God didn't just come to get you into heaven. He came to get heaven into you. First Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11. Now concerning how and when all this is happening, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly. Some of you are sitting in here right now. You're listening to me and you're not even paying attention. And you're not going to have an excuse when you stand before God and say, God, nobody told me. Yes, I did. It's this day that I'm talking about is going to happen whether you believe in God or not. It's not just for believers. This, the day of God's judgment is for everybody. Now, what separates a believer and a non-believer is a believer received the, what Jesus did on a cross so they don't have to answer for the sin that they committed. They're forgiven. They're made new. So if you reject this gift, you're not made new. It's not because God wants to send you to hell. God doesn't send anybody to hell. We choose to go there. 
Somebody said, why? why is, if God's a good God, why does anybody go to hell? Because he's so good that he won't even force heaven on you. He can't. It's not in his nature. That's why he made you with free will to choose. Do you know God won't even force you to be blessed? He won't. It has to be received. He's so good. He doesn't kill people, by the way. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Don't get him twisted with the devil. Because you'll spend your whole life blaming God and you will miss heaven because you were wrong. He loves you. How do I know? He sent his one and only son to die for you. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I love you all, but I'm not giving my son for you. I'm sorry. Woo. That's powerful. When you get a revelation that God gave up his flesh and blood, his own son, his only begotten son. And then when you get the revelation that Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin. He became sin. He didn't just hang on the tree as himself. He hung on the cross as your sin. There was a point when he was hanging on the cross that he actually became sin and God looked away from him and he said, God, why have you forsaken me? And the reason why he became sin is so that you could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Why? This is the difference because rules can't set you free. I could stand up here and I could say, don't wear that. Don't talk like that. Don't smell like that. <laughs> That's too loud. <laughs> I, could, I could pick you apart. Or I can tell you about Jesus. And then he gets on the inside of you. And the love of God begins to touch you. And it changes you. But it's received. I'm not going to spoon feed you. God's not going to force it down your throat. <laughs> For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. Jesus. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin. And there will be no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief, for you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night, so be on your guard. So now I'm talking to both groups of people. Some of you in here, you don't know yet that you're, that you're safe because you will become a child of God. But there's others of you in here who are on fire for God, but if you let the fire go out, your guard is down. And it says here in 1 Peter 5, 8, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy because he goes around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. 
That's what the devil does. And he doesn't have to do much. You know, the devil doesn't need much power over you. All he needs is distraction at best. All he needs to do is steal your attention. Because just when God gets your heart, just when you start running after him, he knows if you continue to follow him, he's done. And he'll run from you in stark terror when you get the fire of God on you. But it's up to you. It's up to you. Two Sundays ago, I preached about how to keep that eternal flame. It's up to you to fan into flames the gift God gave you on the inside. I'm not going to be with you day in and day out to hold you accountable. You have the Holy Ghost in you. Follow him. Read the word of God. Read the Bible. It's powerful. Stay faithful to God. Hide the word in your heart so that you might not sin against him. Pray. Let God use you. You keep doing that, you will never fall away. Never. You run after souls, you will never fail. And God said the harvesters are paid good wages. You want to have a good life? You want to have nice things? You chase it yourself, you'll lose it instantly. You might think, oh, I worked so hard, I got this thing, and then all of a sudden, you hit, something happens, something comes crashing down, and all of a sudden, what you had, you don't have any longer. If you let God give it to you, and you build it with God, it will last till you die. Amen. You ain't bringing it to heaven, but you'll be able to bless the next generation behind you. Thank you, Jesus. So it says, be on your guard, not asleep like others. Stay alert and clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to keep going. Well, there's a part in the Bible that says that there'll be two in the field. Listen to me. There will be two working in the field. One will be left behind and one will be taken by Jesus. Two will be in the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. My question to you tonight is if you were with somebody else in a field, would you be the one that's taken by Jesus into glory or would you be the one that's crying because you were left behind? Say, I'm the one going. I'm the one going. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, look at this. Matthew 20. I'm almost done. What time is it? Uh, we good. We got. I need to wrap up, though, because we want to pray. All right. I need that to pray, so. Hallelujah. I'm going to fly through this right now. Are you listening to me? Are you guys here? Yes. Hallelujah. There's a story in the Bible. There's a parable of the ten bridesmaids. Five of the bridesmaids were wise. Five were not wise. Say dumb. Dumb. Don't be dumb. The five bridesmaids brought enough oil with them. Say oil. Say Holy Ghost. Say fire. The five bridesmaids brought enough oil with them so that when the bridegroom came, they were ready. I have news for you. If you will stay ready, if you will stay on fire, if you will keep the Holy Ghost fired up on the inside of you, you will be ready for the day of the Lord's coming. But if you are dumb, 
like the five bridesmaids who didn't bring enough along, then you will have to go get ready. The problem is you can't. There's not enough time. The five bridesmaids that didn't bring oil, they, the, they knew that the bridegroom was coming, and they're like, we're going to go get oil real quick. They ran to get oil. The bridegroom came. Then they, they went in. The five that had oil with them went inside. Jesus is saying this story is a representation of the kingdom, of what's going to happen in the last days. The five went in, they closed the doors, and they, they locked them, and it was too late. When the five came back that went to go get oil, they weren't allowed in. I want everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes all across the room. Father, tonight, we know that you are almighty God. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that as I... I preached on the coming of Jesus Christ for his people, for his bride, for the church. We know that it's soon, God. It's even at the door. It's right now. It could happen at any moment. God, we can leave out of here tonight, and it takes place. Father, I want to know that when I die, or when I get caught up into heaven, then I'm going to spend eternity with you. Life on this earth is a vapor. It's small. It's short. But Father, eternity is forever. And God, I thank you that not only did you want us to be with you forever, but you made a way that literally costs me nothing but costs me everything at the same time where I don't have to give anything to you to receive it. All I have to do is be willing to say yes. I want what you freely give me. But then, God, I have to make a sacrifice every day to say I'm not going to follow the plan of the enemy for my life. And, Father, I pray that everybody under the sound of my voice tonight, that the Holy Spirit will begin to do a work in their heart. Anybody that doesn't know you or the ones that used to know you but they fell off, I pray tonight you would grab them and pull them back into the family of God. Yes, come on. I take authority over every enemy. You loose them now. You loose their minds. You loose their emotions. You leave this room now in the name of Jesus. Yeah. I'm just so glad to be Part of the family No matter what you're going through I got you And you got me too What's up with the